you're in Seattle, Seattle. And you need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to rodandbouncedown.com. Follow us on the social media platforms. Just search for Ron Upshaw or Don O'Neill. Hey, you guys. What's going on? And welcome to episode 522 now with the Ron and Don Show. And oh, yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, Amazon. Yeah, you could take some of their stock and go buy a house. What? Yeah, also... Our mayor here in Seattle, is he a mayor or a maid? Before we get to that, <laughs> let's get to this. Ron is here, fresh off an airplane moments ago, and no, I'm not going to say, are your arms tired? Just flew in. Any of that. No airplane jokes, nonetheless. How was the flight? How was the wedding? How are your parents? How is the family? How is Florida? Well, we, we can get to that other stuff in a minute, but I want to talk about the flight a little bit. And just as a, a full disclosure, I am a little bit punchy because Seattle time, we're recording this in the late afternoon, uh, I w- I've been up since 2 a.m. Seattle time. So I have two situations on an Alaska Airlines flight, and I just want to see what you think of them. And I- I'm trying not to be the get-off-my-lawn old man complain talk, but just uh, there's a couple things that seem new and different to me. Uh, and I want to know if I'm if I'm sort of on the right or the wrong side of these. First one is, and I'll just cut to the chase. There are four dogs on the plane, four different dogs with different passengers on, not under the plane, not being loaded into cargo. Four dogs roaming the cabin of this plane. Hang on, roaming up and down the aisles. That count as roaming? Wow. And uh, and I, I asked my the, one of the stewards, um, I think his name was Jason. I said, "What is the?" Ma-? I said, "Is this the maximum number of dogs on a plane?" And he scoffed and was just like, he looked at his, he said, "No comment." And he grabbed his phone. I was like, "Come on, this has got to be the max." There's four dogs in this place. He goes, "I've had seven. So it's up to, <laughs> he's had up to seven dogs, and he's like, That's "We funny. cannot question uh, an official support dog." So here's the thing on, on that I just want to know if I'm crazy on this. I am a hundred. You know, I'm a dog guy. Love dogs. I get along great with dogs. Charlie's sitting by you right now. Charlie's sitting we, by me. We were just on a trail run and we got out of the truck. And as soon as we pulled up and he saw you, boom, he can't. He right. Darted, so he, I'm, I'm a dog guy. He darted over. Yeah. I, he, I watched he, a documentary series a little bit ago on, on training service dogs and, and they were, uh, going to be written. It was a really great documentary. I'll see if I can find the name of it. And, and when we were at Cairo, we we paid twenty five thousand yeah. dollars a dog to train service dogs. There was a young girl who had an oxygen tank, and the first dog didn't work out. The second, we spent fifty thousand dollars training a dog for her. Yeah, uh, and you can Google that story. Josh Kearns wrote it. A really great story. But but. A, a girl like her who has to have an oxygen tank, it would be important that she's able to get on the plane with of course, peanut, peanut absolutely. butter buttercup, her service dog. Yeah. So the, in this documentary series, they would use Labradors, and they were training them for a couple different clients. So you meet the clients, then you meet the litter of puppies, then you meet the training deal, the training service, and it walks you through whether or not they make the cut. 
uh, and whether or not they're going to become a service dog and the amount of training they had to do and the amount of skills these dogs have, especially for the PTSD vet was one of the clients. That dog in a grocery store, if a loud noise happens, knows right where to get with his his hand, his person, and calm them down, and you know anxiety and all this stuff. Walking walking across streets with a, a person who's lost their sight, and whether or not a car, it, it's incredible. So those service dogs, I was one hundred percent bored with those service dogs. Having a yappy dog, lap dog in a bag, taking it on a plane. I'm sorry. That is someone blatantly being disrespectful, I think, to every service dog. Like if you're and, ev- and everybody on the plane and everybody, everybody on the plane. Yeah. And if and your if dog is yelping, if it's, if it's calming for you, the yelping is not calming for us. So. And, and I know right away, this is not a trained service dog. If it's in a bag, <laughs> yelping and whining the entire time. Yeah. Cause with the service dogs, if they're mouthy, yeah. if they are yelpy like that, if they cannot take commands, you're, you're out. You're not a service dog. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a great pet, but you're not a service dog. And so, Am I on the wrong side of this? It, 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 I thought you had to demonstrate that it's a service dog before you could take the dog on a plane. I thought that I, had I don't to be know done. what I, t- I will say you and I have a common friend and and in fact she just missed the run with me. She was supposed to bring her dog and she has a yelpy dog, a very uh she she loves the dog so much that I think the dog is her boyfriend, but the dog has no manners, no manners whatsoever, and she just doesn't see it. And I think you know who I'm talking about. She just doesn't see it. And the dog will come over here as a terror, and she may be listening to this right now, and I don't care. Her dog's a terror. And, and she has all the service dog papers, the vest and everything else. And she just went online and, and, and she'll admit it. She lied. She, she lied to get those papers so that she, cause she doesn't want to board the dog. She travels a lot. She goes to Mexico and she just wants to be able to take the dog with her and she doesn't want to pay the boarding fees. And so everybody on the plane pays for that. And I'll see pictures of her sometimes with her dog doing exactly that kind of roaming around. Oh. And the dog is a pain in the heart. It, it was, really, it really is. I, I was really frustrating, especially th- there was the row in between first class and regular coach class where I sit and there had to be like an 85 pound, uh, maybe a, a husky or one of one of those sort of that style of dog, like a Rockweiler or something. No, the ones with the short sort of spiky fur. Yeah, I don't know that are that are not. Those are not breeds for service dogs. Oh. And if I had paid the money, I'd have to pay to do a Florida to Seattle nonstop flight in first class on Alaska, and I had an 85 pound dog under my seat. I would have gone sideways on that. So that's that's issue number one. I think that we're I, I, there's ways no, no, to, there's it, ways to move your dog the airline, on the plane. The airlines are in a very hard place because people lie about it. And then on top of that, there are people that have PTSD. There are people that have MS. There are soldiers that are returning from war with dogs. So so all those things are happening and those are simultaneously. Legit. Yeah, and it's hard for a the little air, lap dog. It's hard though. for the airlines to figure those out. The it last has a vest that you bought online. The last thing that the airline wants, they would rather have you tweet out something that, hey, I can't believe these four dogs are on a plane, versus someone saying, I'm going to file a lawsuit against Alaska Airlines because I do have PTSD. I was in Iraq and they wouldn't let me take my dog on. So, uh, I agree. So the airlines are in a very, very hard place because people choose to lie. But your Iraqi vet most of the time doesn't have a seven pound dog where the, a 75 year old woman is taking a garbage bag with her to the lavatory so her dog can do her business inside the plane. Wow. So it's just, that was issue number one. Yeah. Issue number two, and, and, I, and I'm honestly, I don't know about this. Oh boy. So you, you need to let me know what's up. 
I the the people behind me, um, it was a man and a woman and two children. Let me guess. They took their shoes off. No, they left the shoes on as far as I could tell. All right. Um they were pushing let me guess. They were pushing on the back of your seat. Not pushing on the back of the seat. Uh let me guess. Uh let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Uh child keeps beating the back of your seat. And nope. kicking kicking the back of nope. your seat. None of those things. I'll get, let me get to this. So the people, they're behind me in, in the row. How old are the kids? Kids are probably the, the daughter is maybe, I'm going to say six to eight. Wait, four people in a three-seater? No, the dad's behind me, and then the, the mom and the two kids had gotten in the word directly behind me, but they misread their tickets, so they had moved across the aisle. Okay. And now so, they're across from you. So, yeah, but like directly behind me. Family of four. And so uh, the daughter's maybe smart. six or seven. So the dad is free and clear of the kids and the oh, mom. The that's, a smart, that's a smart dad. And then the, the, <laughs> the son is ma- Oliver. Son is maybe, uh, I know his name is Oliver. We'll get to that in a second. Everybody's o- name is Oliver. Oliver is maybe nine to 10, yeah. maybe 11. Yeah. And these two kids have only one volume setting. <laughs> hey, mom, 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 mom. Look at the cloud. Mom, 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 mom. Dad, dad. One volume setting. Yeah. Mom and dad don't shush them. They don't try to control him. Oliver's coughing, not covering his mouth. Mom all. brought her own food on board, wrapped in in, in aluminum foil. So it's this family. Yeah. Mom! Mom! It just nonstop. It's yeah. a six-hour flight. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there, and I do the, you know, you look back and, like, get the parents' attention, where it's like, how do you not say something? Because you seem to always say something. Uh, so what I'm curious of is, is there, like, a new free range children thing where like you never want to shush a kid or is there like a seattle progressive kind of like if if my child is curious about clouds and they want to talk at the outside volume off for an hour that you you let them and adults shouldn't interfere you know me man i'm very lucky i don't have that kid i i i I don't father that kid i don't have that kid I don't put up with that kid because uh, I was sitting next to another woman with two with three. Very children. clear that those they were parents very quiet. Very clear that those parents don't have boundaries for their kids, and that's sad because those kids growing up need to know that they affect the world around them, and it's a beautiful time to teach them about boundaries. And evidently, uh, sometimes parents are just out of gas, right? And 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 but but to not have self self realization that that is going on, they're they're probably horrific parents. Ugh. They are. Mom's reading a book. Those kids are going to go up, grow up, and go to the penitentiary. The dad looked like he'd been through a, a war zone. <laughs> he had the thousand mile stare. He's just looking off. Yeah. It seemed like he wanted to jump yeah. out of the you plane. You look like you've been through a war zone. We'll see you on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, back to the Ron and Don show in a moment. I love those guys. They are amazing. Speaking about being amazing, do you want to be amazing in 2023? We have a 2023 life-changing event coming up. There are 30 people on February 16th. It costs nothing. There's no flim-flam. There's no bait and switch. But we have raised the bar here. We don't want just 30 people showing up that want to meet us because... We can meet you some other time. And believe believe you me, we're not that exciting. Ron, this specifically, we are dialing into our health and we're dialing into our wealth when it comes to building wealth and health 
through the power of real estate, right? Yeah, so 30 people, and we are going to do a two-hour event here. And I guarantee you, if you really lean into this and you really listen to it, we are going to come up with a custom game plan just for you to acquire that first piece of real estate. It's probably not going to be tomorrow. It might take six months. It might take a year. But if you are ready to go on this journey with us, that's who we want to partner with. So if you're motivated, this rings true. Go to ronanddon.com slash change. It's limited to 30 people. ronanddon.com slash change. We'll see everybody February 16th. And now back to the show. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don show. Don't forget, if you need us, let's sit down. Go to ronanddonsitdown.com. Typically, when we look at a place like San Francisco or we look at some of the things that happen in Los Angeles, things that happen in big cities on the West Coast, you give it a little bit of time and they show up here, right? Tents started showing up in LA. They started showing up in places like San Francisco when Ron and I lived there decades ago, right? We lived there in 1997, and that's when we began to see tents, people overtaking the streets. I remember getting out of the BART, going to the radio station I worked at. And from where I got out of the BART to where I walked to our radio station, it just smelled like urine the whole entire walk. And what's interesting, there's certain specific parts of Seattle that if you go to over the last couple of years that have certainly turned into that. But they've it's also turned into, I can remember one day walking to the BART and there was some gun violence. And in fact, one of our listeners was in a bank. It was the Bank of America. And uh, he jumped in to help somebody who was shot in the head. We ended up raising funds to help him to make sure that he would have a better life. But, but along with a lot of what was happening on the streets uh, came just a dramatic effect of a, of a lot of crime. And when you look here in Seattle, uh, people say, hey, you know, when it comes to homelessness, it's not a crime. But here specifically, when you are homeless, it will turn you into a criminal over time about 100% of the time. It just will, right? Mary's place is a place a lot of times for women. Mary's place a lot of time place for kids. So we don't see those women a lot of times with those kids on the streets. That's why there's Mary's place. But what we do see a lot, and when we look on the streets here in Seattle, is we see a lot of men. Uh, a lot of them are drug addicts and heroin addicts. A lot of them have mental illness and a lot of them have turned to a life of crime. And you know that because when you have derelict RVs or you have tents near your neighborhood, you feel that right? Because you wake up and someone's rifled through your car. You wake up and someone's broken your window. You wake up and someone's broken into another business. Just at the bottom of my hill here, uh, they've replaced the glass in their hardware store seven times this year. And I've asked these guys, I said, when are you going to go out and get some iron and put iron up across these windows like they do in big cities? And they said, yeah, I guess it's time to do that. Queen Anne Dispatch, uh, a, a place where I go where I mail letters. Uh, her husband sits outside the store now. They don't have iron yet. Sits outside the store. That store has been broken into over a dozen times over the past couple of years. Almost every window in that store is a piece of CDX plywood. And in fact, uh, a lot of the fire departments around here, when it was hard uh, for all of us to buy plywood during the pandemic because it was $100 a sheet, uh, the, the plywood was worth more than actually the windows were. So trying to keep glass, trying to keep plywood. And, and, and the reason I bring this story up is there's something happening in Portland right now. There's a mass exodus of the downtown corridor. Uh, businesses are leaving. Businesses are boarded up. Some of the businesses, you can't tell if they're boarded up or not because they've been broken into so many times. They just have big pieces 
of CDX plywood. So were they were they were they boarded up because people were leaving, or were they boarded up because they were trying to stay in business? Here in Seattle, a lot of these businesses, well, they've been trying to stay in business. And in fact, what you see happening here now is the mayor came out the other day and said, "We're going to take two million dollars." And we're going to go through the downtown corridor and we're going to try to replace all the glass. The difficulty has been as they replace the glass, the glass gets broken again. So it seems like $2 million is not a great plan to replace the glass. If you're not going to replace that with something else, which is called better policing, it's called cameras, and it's also called iron. A lot of these stores are going to have to have iron placed over the windows in front. And a lot of these businesses, and they're going to have to pass this along to you, a lot of these businesses are going to do things like they had to do in New York in order to stay open in Times Square. Even though there's a lot of police officers down there, walk into a Walgreens. You cannot find anything in a Walgreens that's not behind some kind of partition that you can't get to. Because even with, and I think they have the 10th or 11th largest army in the world, the police force in in New York City is massive. Yeah, they still have had to do that. So back here to Seattle. The mayor has been doing a pretty good job of going out and cleaning up derelict RVs and tent cities, especially around election time. And now here they are spending $2 million, $2 million trying to replace a lot of this glass. In Portland, Walmart has just announced that they are closing all their stores. All their stores. They won't come out and say it, so I will. They're sick and tired of people walking into their businesses at will, taking whatever they want and walking out the door. Because if you're an employee at Walmart and you chase someone, you will get fired for it. So how safe is that? Knowing that anyone can walk into Walmart in Portland, Oregon, take what you want and leave. 30% back to Seattle. 30% of the office spaces here in Seattle are vacant right now, 30%. And guess what? Those businesses aren't coming back because many of those businesses are either not coming back because of COVID or they've already moved over to the east side. I had a friend just sell a building in downtown Seattle. Just sell it. They sold the building and they moved all the businesses that were in this building. They just moved them over to the east side. Four different businesses, no longer in Seattle. So now the mayor is coming out and saying, well, you know what we're going to do anyway is we're going to take all this office space and we're going to convert it to condos. That's the mayor being a dumbass Dan right there is what I call that because he doesn't understand. If you're going to buy office space in downtown Seattle, it's $1,000 a square foot. If you're going to convert it to condos, which is not easy to do because it's a different build, that's over $500 a square foot. That does not pencil at all. doesn't even come close. No one's going to do it. Plus, when it comes to building condos in Seattle... There's a lot of builders that won't build here anymore because they're sick and tired of the exposure that they get when condo associations turn around and sue them. Here in Seattle, you can sue a builder up to five years after the completion of the project. In other cities, it's a year. If I build a new house and hire a builder, I have a year warranty. That's it, not five. In downtown Seattle, it's a five-year warranty. And guess what? All these condo associations get together, and they find something to sue that builder over, and they all do it. So we live in a city now. We live in a city now. 30% of the downtown corridor, those office buildings, are empty. 
The mayor is suggesting things that can't be done. I see all the same exact RVs in my neighborhood. It's just a merry-go-round. They're just across the street. They're just down the street. They're just up the street. It's all the same people doing all the same shiznit. As I look at Portland, I see Seattle swiftly, quickly becoming Portland here on. And I think Mayor Bruce Harrell is no longer a mayor. I think he's just become a maid for the city of Seattle. What say you? Yeah, it was a, that, that story about Portland is alarming. And I've heard some anecdotal things about Portland. Um, it, it, <laughs> it just cracks me up. We've been having this conversation or versions of this conversation for going on 20 years now. And literally, no one ever does the smart thing. Like, no one ever does the reasonable thing. No one ever does the thing that would actually make any difference. No one, they, they always do the political thing. They do the thing that they think will get them votes. They, they placate all the players uh, that are at the table on this merry-go-round of funding that, that is the, as you, you dubbed it uh, so successfully a couple of years back, the homeless industrial complex. Here's the, here's the thing that works, and it's the only thing that I've seen work in any major city in America. Some, there, there have been some programs in smaller cities that have worked, but in a large city, the only thing that works is you get everybody around the table at the same time, all the services, the VA is there, uh, all the drug and alcohol treatment people are there, social services are there, the cops are there, everybody's around the same table, and you literally pull out a file and you say, this person, let's, uh, John Doe, number one, homeless, uh, who's got him? And you assign that person to another human being and you say, here's, here's the file. You are going to usher this person to come hell or high water to some, some destination, whether that be jail, whether that be rehab, whether that be housing, you, this is now your case. And then they pick up the next file and they say, Jane Doe, number one. And they hand it off. That's the only program that's where it's super expensive. It's super labor intensive, but that's the only thing. And unless, cause I've read them all, uh, unless there's one that I missed, that is the only program. And I believe they do it in Denver. And, and there's another city that does a version of this as well. All the principals are at the table. You do it one at a time. Uh, until you just work your way through the homeless population. And when you come back the, the two weeks later, or however frequent the, the meetings are, you look at that person, you go, tell us what happened with John Doe. And they said, okay, I went to his tent. Here's what we did. And like, they have to represent accountability on each case and it takes forever. But you know what? That you get a result. Because now, Don, you would have six cases. Person next to you has six cases. And you just keep hiring people and you pay them well until you solve this problem. Because there are so many hurdles to jump through and to jump over, uh, hoops to jump through, hurdles to jump over. That That's the only thing I've seen that's worked. And so we just continue to try the same old stuff in different packaging, and it continues to not work. And it is disheartening. I, I, I took the bus to go to the airport, and it drops me off on third, and then you got to transfer to the train to take the train to the airport. Third is a ghost town now. Yep. That's where the, the buses, they, they cordoned off third to where the buses can go back and forth on third. 
and flashback five years ago, 10 years ago. And that was a vibrant street. Like the Columbia Sportswear was there. Uh, Arcs, Arcs, Is that how you say that? That yep. outdoor store was there. You had food shops there, restaurants, you had, you know, fast, casual food all up and down there. And then when they said it's bus only, it is now, it's basically vacant. Mm. It's everything is gone. Everything. It's, it's incredible. Like I got off of my bus stop and it was a little bit farther down than it normally is. I was like, what happened? Mm. Like there used to be a, I think that's where the Bon Marche was or Frederick's. Like one of them was right there. Everything's vacant. Everything's empty. And then you walk through and you go down into the tunnel and you take the bus. And it's like, is that what we're going to do? Like, that's the thing. We're going to take third Avenue in downtown Seattle, two blocks from Pike market, two blocks from like one of the greatest waterfronts in, a, in the world. That I mean, it really is. I've been around the world. Like that's a great waterfront. Uh, so three blocks away from that is just going to be a homeless graveyard. We can, where no business can survive and we just board it up and say, Hey, tourist from Cleveland, wait at this bus stop for 15 minutes for your bus to pull up while a guy's shooting heroin behind you or whipping out his, you know what, and urinating, or I, I've been in line at uh, top pot donuts down there. Like I had no pants on and no underwear Yeah, standing in line for an apple fritter and no one could remove him from the building. No one, and he was crazy, cranked out of his mind with his apple fritter hanging out. Yeah, and it's like, is anybody see this? Yeah, is this is this this is our city now? Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm frustrated with you flashing everyone his donut hole. (laughs) (laughs) See you on the other side of this. Wow. It's Ron Don here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.Loans. Mitch, do I need to have 20% down to buy a house right now? No, and that's actually one of the most common mistakes that I do here is people think and people have thought for a long time that 20% is the standby. 20% the first time you're buying a home is not normal at all. With with prices, you know, around a million dollars often for first time home buyers, 20% is a lot of money to save and it is not necessary. You can put 3.5% down with an FHA loan, 5% down, sometimes even less with a conventional and mortgage insurance just isn't as bad as it used to be. I just did a loan that was a $900,000 home. The buyers put 10% down and they were going to pay mortgage insurance of $100 a month for two years. Now that $2,400 feels like a lot, maybe, but if you talk about how much their home is going to grow in value over that time, it's nothing. All right. He's Mitch Weeks. Uh, get in touch with him at Mitch.Loans. If you're a first-time buyer and your ears just perked up and go, I'd like to buy a house for 5% down, it's Mitch.Loans. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. And as you know, we're your broadcasters, your friends. And also, we are your licensed real estate agents. want to thank everybody for the referrals. And as we head into spring, I want people to know that the real estate market back is back here in Seattle. It really is. And as we look around the country, in fact, I listen to some podcasts and they're like, it's a, it's, it's a buyer's market. It's a buyer's market. It's a buyer's market. Here in Seattle, technically, Ron, it's still a seller's market, 
But the difference is we see other buyers now that are standing on the sidelines and it's given opportunity for the people out there, let's say an FHA buyer that couldn't buy before because they're only putting 5% down. They're not cash cars and stars. It's really given some opportunities to buyers, but still sellers, those properties that they're selling right now, they're still up 26 to 29% pre-COVID. And so a lot of times when we think, ah, I should have sold my house last year, last year is gone. Here we are in the spring of 2023, and we're bringing on some pretty cool homes. Speaking about cool homes, speaking about buying a cool home, buying a cool house. I was meeting with one of our clients the other day who's in tech. They moved up here from California. They live in North Seattle. Now they've decided since they spent some time here that they'd like to move to West Seattle. So we're looking over in West Seattle. And as we do that, it's kind of interesting because a lot of their wealth, and they're very young, but a lot of their wealth and a lot of their leverage has come from uh, really being in 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 the tech industry <laughs> and now excuse me for that <clears throat> we're hearing some pretty exciting news about Amazon and maybe some of the things that people with Amazon stock if you work in Amazon here's something you might be able to do to give yourself some leverage to be a buyer and, and buy a house in Seattle it's actually uh, a little bit even co- uh, more flexible than that it's not just the stock so if you don't work in tech, um, I'll explain this. And if you do work in tech, you're going to be like, duh. So one of the things that uh, the big tech companies do here is they they issue you, they don't issue you stock. It's they issue you a number of shares, and you don't get access to it until you become vested. And so they'll on your date of your hire, they will they're, they're future shares. They'll say, "Hey Don, we're going to give you a thousand shares of Amazon or whatever it is. That would actually be a pretty good bonus. Uh, Five hundred shares of Amazon at today's price, and but you can't sell it today. You you need to work full time at Amazon for whatever your contract is. So it could be three years, it could be five years, or whatever. And every year as we move along, we're going to then release certain shares to you. So maybe on your first anniversary, you get a hundred shares. Your second anniversary, you get a hundred shares. Until the, on the fifth year, you'll get the full five hundred shares at today's price, and then you can do with it what you will. Uh, at that time. So hopefully you believe in the company, you're going to work hard for the company, then the stock price will go up. And then uh, down the road, if you want to immediately just sell them and take the profit, take the spread, you can do that, you can keep them, whatever you want to do. So there's been some, uh, some people that have come up with this way of saying, wow, this person maybe is two and a half years into this vesting process. They have possession of this, basically a promissory note for two, two and a half years in the future, and they want to buy a house, but they don't have the down payment that they, that's required to buy the type of house they want. And so they've worked out a way now, Amazon has, to say, we're going to, you can do your down payment inside this vehicle. It, it probably also helps Amazon because they're, they're more invested to stay till their vesting time ends. Sure. Yeah. And so, uh, but we're going to create this lane for you. To you uh, to to basically tap into the equity of the these future shares to use it as your as your house down payment uh, and it, it to me is an interesting way because we talk to so many people in sit downs that that they're so it's so easy to shop for houses today imaginary houses in a sense I like to think of it open your phone 
type in a zip code, you see a sign on the road, uh, and you just start swiping. Ooh, I like this one. I like that one. And so you're in your mind, you're shopping for the house and almost no one, I can't think of maybe one or two people in all the sit downs we've ever done has ever shopped for their money ever shop for their down payment. Uh, and so it, it's as important, if not more important than shopping for the house. And this is a, a strategy that I'm actually excited to look, learning more about and tapping into some people in the tech industry that would want to use this because what a cool way to do this, secure your house now on the value of stocks that are going to be two and a half years in the future or three years in the future. And then when you get to that point, it might, the, the stock may take off and you might even have more money then, and you have the house. So it's, it's a really cool strategy. It only applies right now uh, to Amazon, but if Amazon does this well and they're able to roll it out and hopefully they weren't with Silicon Valley bank, which was the, the first bank in the fortune 500 to go under, uh, since 2008 that that happened this week so bank for sale bank right, for sale right. bank so, for sale so hopefully it wasn't with that bank yeah. uh but i think some other tech companies could follow with this of saying we want you here we want you to put down roots here sure and it also incentivizes them to stay with the company till they're vested so it's kind of a win for the company it's a win for the worker and it's a win i think in general smart if you've ever wondered why you have all these other tech companies that have popped up around amazon it's the same thing in the South when you see Einstein bagels. Einstein would do some research, and every time a Starbucks was going in, let's say in Phoenix, Arizona, they would make sure that they were in the same shopping mall. Uh, and they were so blatant about it. At some point, Starbucks sued them, and there's nothing they could do about it. There's absolutely nothing. Einstein's like, you know what? You got the coffee. We're not even going to try to sell coffee. We'll have some coffee, but this is where you come to get your bagel. So it's the same thing. It's proximity. That's what the tech companies do. It's like wherever Amazon is, boom, all the other tech companies pop up because what are they trying to do? They're trying to steal that workforce, right? So if Amazon has the ability to do this until someone's vested, and let's say now they got to hang on for seven years, that's better for Amazon, and that's actually better for all of us. It's in, better in this for scenario, the stability of it's be, it's better for the stability of the local economy. In this scenario, am I the coffee and you're the bagel, or you're the bagel <laughs> and I'm the coffee? <laughs> hey, you guys! Thanks for listening to this episode five twenty two of the Ron and Don Show. We sure do appreciate it, and don't forget we're your broadcasters, your friends, and your real estate agents. And uh, right now, we're bringing on some really cool homes around the Pacific Northwest, and I can't wait to tell you more about them. One of the unique things is, Ron, we have a lot of people that call us, and they say, hey, my mom, my dad, a parent, they've fallen, and they actually can't get up. Maybe they are in memory care. Maybe they're somewhere where a, a parent has passed away and the other parent is alone and they're on their own just trying to figure out, wow, it's it, it, we're dealing with a client right now down south and she her husband just died a couple months ago and she's like, this is so overwhelming to me. One, because of all the memories in this house, I want to get out of here. And two, all the work that needs to be done. Well, guess what? We sat down. Over the past couple of weeks, her and I have had really lovely conversations at her coffee table. And she always says, hey, Don, I'm making coffee for you. I show up. We have a cup of coffee. She said she made extra cookies for me, and yet I have never been delivered. Man, they cookies. are such good cookies. It's the only time I eat cookies, and I eat all of them. By the time I get back here in the truck, there's nothing left for you. So anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll ask Sharon to make you a couple extra cookies. So any, anyway, that's the kind of relationships that we love. That's the kind of relationships 
that we have with our clients. And the good thing is for her is we found her a place. She's, she'll be on her way. In fact, she found her own place. She's on her way. We're moving in with our teams here in a week or so to turn that house upside down to make it look lovely, bring it to market, pack her pockets full of cash, and boom, there she is uh, on her way to another great chapter of her life, right? Life is not over because you turn 60, 70, 80, or even 90, right? Yeah. Some point when you're 190, life might be over. Anyway, if you want to get in touch with us, just reach out, right? They say 190 is the new 150. That's right. Uh, You can email me directly if you don't like filling out online forms, uh, and that is ron at ronanddon.com. If you want to learn more and maybe download one of our buyers or sellers playbooks, you can do that at ronanddon.com. I encourage you also to sign up for our newsletter. We put out great content each and every month. uh, That Sometimes it's about real estate. Sometimes it's just about uh, thoughts and, and things that are going on in our lives. Yeah. Hey, you guys. Thanks again for listening. Keep your head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. Only on the Ron and Don Radio. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network.